All right, we're back uh, with Talk the Talk. Glenn is with me, and uh, we are going through Dakar. Glenn, uh, you were talking. A little carried away. <laughs> like always, we get a little carried away yeah. with with what we want to say. But uh, getting into the crux of the matter, sure. Uh, we were talking about how different uh, this year's Dakar was. Yeah. Uh, it was a scaled down version of what used to happen previously. Scaled down so, in quotes, I would say. Yeah, in quotes, so, absolutely. So, so the, I, I guess the terrain was different, the distance was different, the stages yeah. were different. If yeah. you can give us an insight on that as yeah. well. So this year, again, like we explained just before the break, that the biggest challenge was the log- the logistics Logistical and bit, the, yeah. um, the the fact that the economy and all that stuff was played into a factor of this uh, scale. And you need con- countries to get behind the Dakar because when the Dakar happens in a country, nothing else moves. Like for example, um, we had um, it's like Isle of Man. Yeah, it's Isle like of Isle Man, of Man, but yeah. you know, Isle of Man is a small place. But yeah. this is this is like you could say in some senses the Isle of Man. But the government has to open their resources to uh, entire resources oh. to make the rally happen. So, example for example, the army chips in in a huge way, the police, the fire brigade, every aspect of the government plays some role in right. making the Dakar happen. Yeah. So, so I was seeing, I was, I, was, I was actually seeing uh, one of our edits, which is going to go live yeah. on Power Riff very soon. And you speak of uh, an army base that was yeah, used as the start, army bases. As, as the so start line scrutiny, or something? Scrutiny, scrutiny, scrutiny yeah. for day one, where uh, just checking all the vehicles w- happened in this army, this air force base, uh, which was incredible. There were like fighter jets and stuff like that. And then here there are like rally scrutiny happening. Um, there's a lot of support um, in terms of like closing down the roads, ensuring like public safety. Yeah, because um, it's also the transport stage. Exactly, and yeah. then uh, transport is basically when they move from one stage to another using right. public transport. Public roads. transport roads. Exactly. Right. Um, so we had like when we went to Arakipa, which is like sort of like the half halfway point. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a we also stayed in a base. So. Um, so coming so back to Dakar this year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. sorry. So, so if, if I can just ask you some things. Sure. How many kilometers was this? This was about 5,000 overall. Over how many days? Uh, totally about 14 days. And how many stages did we have? I think about 18 stages. 18 stages, including the marathon stages. Including the marathon stages. Wow. So when you asked about the scale of the Dakar this year, yes, it's been scaled down. Um, but a lot of them said that this was the hardest Dakar Ever. Yes, that was my next point where, where we talk about terrain and how yeah. difficult it was. So, yeah. in a sense, it was scaled down for XYZ reasons, but it was also the hardest Dakar ever mm. because of the fact that over 80% of this rally was in sand. Sand. Dude, so, I'm, I'm telling you, I've, I've, ridden on, I've ridden on quite a few terrains, but what scares me the most is sand because sand on a motorcycle, when you're riding a motorcycle yeah. on sand, it is so unpredictable. So the front has a way of its own. The sand has a feedback of its own. Exactly. And it just kind of weaves around and you're trying to lose the front. And exactly. But but I've heard this thing that when you're on sand, you need to be on gas, on heavy gas for quite a while. You've got to maintain momentum. Momentum, it's, that's it's correct. It's really challenging. And uh, Peru, if you look at the terrain, they have one side which is completely on the sea. So you have amazing coastline. But a big chunk of this country... Is just desert, desert and desert yeah. and sand, and there's so much of varying terrain within the sand as well. So right. you'll have like, uh, you'll have like uh, compact sand, then you have something called fesh fesh, and we, and fesh fesh is is essentially it's like it's almost like talcum powder. Okay. It's real. It, it, in fact, it, it behaves like water when you ride over it. It behaves like water. Water fesh fesh. Okay. It, it's really 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 fine. It's okay. like it's it's freakishly fine. Okay. Um, but then it's like riding on water, mm-hmm. and because it behaves like water, you can't see the what's underneath it. And we'll get to how this played a pivotal 
uh, role in what happened to the hero team. Uh, but yeah, things kicked off at Lima. It was one big party. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was essentially the whole city just came to a stall. It's, it's like a celebration of sorts. Yeah, exactly. The whole city just came to a stall to celebrate Dakar. The this the at every rally there's something called a bivac. A bivac is sort of like a mini city where all the um, uh, it's sort of like HQ essentially right. and the HQ keeps moving right. so this is where all the teams congregate this is where all the this is also where the park firm is uh, <coughs> or it's, a, it's and a park firm are yes. two different things yeah you could say that it's okay. it's around there uh, but it's it's central HQ where right. you live and, and also in, during the Dakar by the way um, you live at the Bivac so you're essentially just camping out for 14 days 14 straight. days and every and you know they they say this the saying that everybody during the dakar everybody has their own dakar of <laughs> course and 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 that i always thought that was a little weird i'm like but yeah, yeah. we're not rallying yeah. of course those guys have the hardest job which they do but it is crazy cuz there's so much that you need to focus on there every team member is, is just on like survival mode and you're just focusing on getting the job done where you everybody has their own dakar Uh, so things kicked off at Lima. There was a great ceremonial start where they had about all the 500 contestants come up on stage one by one. It went on for about like seven or eight hours, man. And just I, the ceremonial. Just the ceremony. So it was amazing. Wow. Like they'd give each contestant <clears throat> their due. Um, there was this MC who was going all out for like eight hours, bro. Straight, straight, and he was just like announcing one person after the other wow. and with more enthusiasm. And they were legitimately at least ten thousand. But I think you need that. Uh, I I think you need that mental push. Yeah. Uh, when so you have a lot of people us. cheering for you and they want you to go and they're screaming yeah. your name. Absolutely. Yeah, I think it's kind of an an adrenaline injection exactly. that you get just before you're about exactly. to start the Dakar because. as a rider i'm sure as an athlete you're very well prepared mentally emotionally physically but since the dakar's always been a very challenging yeah. race yeah uh, at some point the mind does break down exactly and i think this is a great push uh, when when people have this huge roar of Absolutely. of cheer going for also, you also when you mention the contestants you just yeah. can't take part you just can't roll up and take part in the dakar you have to compete uh, in a couple of other global rallies like for example mazoga before finish, you enter the yeah, dakar so you need yeah. to finish it yeah. before you enter dakar yeah, so for, for india complete. for india you have to complete the indian baha yeah. you have to exactly. win the indian baha that's exactly. your golden ticket to entering the to dakar entering the dakar exactly so it's not like the, anybody can just randomly turn up and say hey i want to do the dakar <laughs> everybody who's actually competing in the dakar has some credible amount of experience you have, you need to have that you need to you have, need to have a very strong resume absolutely So yeah, so that that that's where it started. Lima it was a nice party and stuff like that. It was a great. This is day one. This was day zero. Yeah, day zero. Yeah, day, day zero. Uh, ceremonial start. Uh, and uh, I've seen some ceremonial starts before, but nothing prepared me for this. Man, mm-hmm. there was alcohol flowing. There was music. People were dancing, and they had like so much of their culture that was also being showcased uh, between every say twenty riders that come and do like a dance routine. And uh, Lima is a very interesting city because uh, uh, it's it faces the the ocean, but it's also surrounded by really high mountains or hills so you have like this ocean front but you can Im- imagine like just ocean front you have the beach you have the road and then just after that Holy. you have like a 300 foot cliff cliff yeah and people like there were thousands of people lined up on those cliffs Just watching watching wow. the ceremonial start as well so there's quite a so bit of intrigue as well it's a huge and and it's a big cultural thing for them dude it's like it's for us it's like the ipl matches you know 
it's it's a big cultural thing so everybody gets together people take time off um, employers give vacation two weeks of wow. vacation uh, and not just in, in lima uh, not just in peru but in in neighboring countries bolivia and all these other countries as well i'm sure that's a good cycles. that's a good shot um, at tourism as well when Absolutely, people yeah. which is why they invest so heavily because uh, in fact when <laughs> it's funny that you mentioned tourism because i was just um, walking around randomly and this dude comes up to me with a notepad and he's like hey i'm from the government and i freaked out a little bit <laughs> and what have i done yeah <laughs> and then turns out he was just asking questions as to like where are you staying which hotel and i was freaking out a bit but yeah. he was trying to get an assessment how much money we're spending yeah so they were doing like a little bit of yeah. research to if figure it's out it's a bit of a creepy ROI. thing to happen but yeah, yeah i mean i think that's but a good uh, good uh, judging exactly. uh, sort of thingy when you want to know Invest how so many money. people are coming Tens in tens of millions of dollars they're, they're sure. spending in, into yep. this just from the country standpoint um and at at first first thought i was like what the hell and in, in fact for example to to run a dakar as well if you take but say in a motor in the motorcycle category you're running a very lean team just a motorbike with two three mechanics it's going to cost you nothing less than at least 250000 euros that's to run a dakar that's 2.5 crores there and there about about 2 yeah. crores that's the that's the that's the cheapest amount of, that's the lowest you can spend so you can imagine even from the contestants and that's just for like a really lean team so when you're looking at bigger teams um like honda or hero or ktm ktm or toyota with with four wheelers and you have trucks right you can you can imagine the kind of capital that these guys have to invest um and at first glance you might think like why but it's incredible how much of they have the aso the organization has about 3000 people working at every bivac 3000 people 3, just people working just working these are guys who manage how big is the bivac if you can give us dude, a scale on oh, how man. many football fields will this be uh or oh, dude at least eight eight football fields so for me to walk um at the bivac end to end it took me a good 30 minutes Whoa. end to end that's massive so and if you were to complete say um maybe a kilometer in say 6 minutes if you're brisk walking you're covering at least 6 5 to 6 kilometers so yeah, that's that's huge kilometers it's yeah. huge it's huge and uh, of course as the rally progresses the bivac also gets smaller because people get booted out yeah <laughs> contestants get booted yeah. out but um, it's it's a it's a huge affair and and people just camp wherever you get the space you have and and the bivac is where you live so you have communal showers <laughs> wow, you have uh, a, a place to eat and it was amazing like the food was incredible yeah. uh, and i can imagine uh, and they had like amazing everything stocked up whatever you want so, so if you're a part of the bivac you yeah, you you have access to all that. these things yeah, yeah. so the scale and the quality <clears throat> at which they did it with uh, of course that's where your money goes because it it's not cheap uh, you also have you know multiple medical helicopters and and we'll get to what happened with cs as well which their response essentially you know saved him um uh so the scale at which they do it is is unreal um we also got some backstage access to see what these how, how it's run so the aso themselves have about 40 trucks of their own and these are massive 24 36 wheeler trucks and these trucks open up the the containers open up and convert to other things like for example the edit room they have a truck that's just dedicated to their to edit. edit room that opens up and has 50 workstations so if you watch any dakar video online it's been edited at that workstation where there are people just editing editing footage so everything have, is on the move on the go everything is on the move and then once it's done at the bivac they all pack up 
move the, on to the next and location. And move on to the next. Wow. And, and it's, it's the scale of it is unreal. Then you have, you know, for your toilets, your every catering, everything. Yeah. So that was mind blowing. And yeah. all of this is just, everybody does their own job just to make sure that the rally moves on smoothly and which it did. Yep. So we finished Lima. We went off to Pisco. Pisco, yeah. beautiful place. Um, How uh, do you travel? We essentially had a we had a, a car to ourselves and uh, we had this we had a really cool driver. His name was Marco. Marco. And Marco was with us for half the journey, but the other half was his brother, uh, who was with us. His name was uh, I'm forgetting his name, but Marco's brother, uh, who was with us, um, he took part in Dakar last year. Whoa! So on a motorcycle, what, on, what category on a, on was it? In a car, in a in car. car, yeah. And dude, that guy was nuts, man. Yeah, he yeah. took us into like some crazy places, and he had we had a we had a Land Cruiser and a Fortuner, and dude, that guy it was amazing. Like essentially being driven around by a guy who's competed at the Dakar. Holy cow! That guy was nuts, and he took us like right up to the edge of of where the the rally happens, and we had we had a really great time. I'm sure. So from Lima, we went off to Pisco. Uh, Pisco. Pisco was pretty, the interesting thing about Pisco was, was there were a lot of dunes and I remember there was this one dune we went to which was, which I climbed uh, and I almost died <laughs> in exhaustion because yeah. it was at least 400 feet. Wow. So That big. And people were riding on that. People were riding they, on they're it. They surfing and that dune, yeah. Uh, they were riding up, so coming up from the other side and then there was this sheer drop. Sheer drop. And then just ripped down that, that dune. So that was sort of like the first time we went into a stage um the, we had the start and stuff like that at a different location it wasn't too uh, dramatic because everything is chill like the whole goal of a rally is don't crash so nobody's riding at 100 percent on day one right so it was all chill and stuff like that and then um we had Joaquim Rodriguez from Hero Motorsport. It was it was his comeback from Dakar last year. Yeah, he had a we very had a nasty accident, accident last time around. Yeah, uh, watch the video on YouTube. It was really bad. Yeah. He, he could have died. He could have died. Uh, he was riding J Rod, as he is uh, fondly known in, as in Peru itself. In Peru itself. So uh, if you want to know uh, more about on what happened with him last year, you can yeah. just go on YouTube, go Google J Rod accident, Joaquim Rodriguez accident, yeah. and you will. And like you were saying about you know you got to maintain momentum. So he was <laughs> ripping on this dude going 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 suddenly the dune stopped and it was a sheer drop drop yeah and it was it about a flat. 200 foot, foot drop, drop yeah and uh, essentially crashed and smacked his chest on yeah. the, this thing uh, but within 90 seconds uh, chopper was there to take him he smashed a couple of ribs that is again that. a very good th thing to hear because you all you always have uh, medical assistance nearby yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, and and you know what's amazing is the director of dakar i forget his name again frenchman he is personally the lead chopper. So oh, wow. as long as the stage is running, he's personally overlooking everything. Yeah. You also have, uh, so uh, just to give you a quick insight and take a break, um, Taka bikes are very special. They have external fuel tanks. They've got a big navigation tower. Three fuel tanks. Three, three, three fuel tanks. The seat height is extremely tall. They're short with fully adjustable suspension, front and your knobby as tires. Um, and you also have this emergency button. Yeah, we'll, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. So, we'll get to that. So, uh, the bike is specially equipped. I'm sure it's, yeah. it's a proto. Uh, the bike is specially equipped to handle that terrain. But the great part about this, these bikes and these cars, some of these manufacturers 
when they make the enduro version they actually take a lot of input from Absolutely. from what happens at dakar so dakar also is a proving ground for a lot of these manufacturers like ktm husqvarna they take a lot of input they take a lot of study sure. that goes on that uh, that goes on in dakar and they really take back to the motorcycle yeah. we, 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 and <coughs> it's not just for rallying it's for racing in general which is yeah. why manufacturers invest in racing because a lot of learnings that they can put for example in, 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 um, in road going pr- models all the ladies and gentlemen don't know varun is taking part in the tvs media cup this year yep. Yes. And um, you're racing the 160s or 200s? I'm racing the 204V. Yeah, so yeah. the 204V as well. A lot of the suspension tuning yeah. was lessons they learned from the race bikes. Yes, 100%. 165s. And uh, racing across the board doesn't matter if whether it's you know road racing or uh, road yeah. ra- uh, not just and not just in that, but also in terms of capacities of right. engines and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. Um, it doesn't matter across the board. There's always something you can learn from racing. So obviously here, there's so much you can learn. And Dakar is essentially the ultimate torture test, right? So you also have a third category, which is trucks. Yeah. And these trucks are mad, dude. Like yeah. watching these elephants yeah. rip on the, on 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 uh, across the stages. Uh, in fact, these trucks had to be de-restri- had to be restricted to a speed of. They were at one point they were faster than the cars. <laughs> so. <laughs> These were trucks with like back uh, before they were restricted. They were running like twin engine setups that were producing like sixteen hundred horsepower, doing something like two fifty, two sixty, uh, close to two eighty kilometers an 280 hour. Two eighty kilometers an hour off road. Wow. So they had wow. to be restricted to like I think like two twenty now. But still, two twenty in it's, a it's truck. Scary. I mean, I mean, I can imagine you're you're watching a big cloud of yeah. dust that's coming your yeah. way, and you're probably imagining and at a distance. It's a car. It's a car. It's a car, and they start getting bigger, bigger, bigger. And these trucks are so fast yeah. that uh, I still remember this one scene um, where the the truck overtook a car and a motorcycle, mm-hmm. and you can't see anything. I'm sure. I was shitting my pants yeah. watching that truck pass I cannot imagine how scared the rider or driver behind him because there's a cloud of dust there's nothing you can see nothing you can and, see and these guys don't use their brakes yeah. they just yeah. let off the gas yeah. and they just rip dude they just rip and it, the, the trucks were are something else, which is why they always left last the yeah. bikes go first the, then the cars and then the yeah. trucks because yeah. the trucks will there's just there's also ATVs everything. if I'm not wrong uh, the quad bikes yeah, quad, yeah. Bikes. quad bikes are also there so it's the bikes the quads the cars, cars and then the trucks. Yes. Uh, sorry, there's cars also. There's something called side by side, which are your um, like your Polaris kind of vehicles. Right. Buggies. Yeah. So you have that category as well, and of course with Dakar you have different categories. Um, the most extreme category is this category called Motomale category, category, which is this year was called Original by Motul. This is the most extreme category of Dakar, uh, essentially where you ride a motorcycle, but you're completely on your own, so you don't have the support of a team, you don't have anything. You're your mechanic. Is this something, I, I mean, one would call as a privateer? You're a privateer, yes. Uh, but it's also the most extreme category because essentially when you have a team, you know, you just come, you finish. You've your got mechanical brand, you backup back, and yeah. Yeah, you come and you tell your mechanic what's up. If you need anything, you finish it, this thing. And, and the, essentially what happens at the end of the day is the riders or the drivers or the pilots, as they call them, just crash. So they just focus on recovery. Racing, yeah. Which is, which is, of course, really difficult. But then in this most extreme category, like you have to have something fundamentally loose in your head to <laughs> want to take part in this category. So you're the rider, you're the mechanic, you're servicing your bike on your road. Test. Everything is on its... It's oh, the worst. Shit. There's, there's, a, there's a documentary this guy did. I forget his name. It's on YouTube. Yeah. Um, oh, oh. Uh, it's a it, one-hour Was it last year? 
uh, I think last year but yeah, you should yeah, yeah. I, I encourage everybody to watch that watch yeah. that documentary um so I, I just see if you can quickly search for it uh you search for Dakar most extreme category yeah or motor male category I think you'll find it wow that, that's that's insane man it's I mean this it, British guy cuz cuz I imagine even in India you when we cover these rallies uh, we do it for TVS you have the backing of of a team unless you're a privateer unless so you're a privateer yeah. but just having the team backing you up make things makes things so much easy because you you know you have to come back to the park firm or the bivac yeah. as it's called so people who do this category it's not just about winning it's about it's about endure it's 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 about proving like the kind of torture you can you can endure dude i couldn't even watch them they would mm. come back after riding 15 16 18 hours a day if they get lost um uh, the i remember this dude his tire got ripped out he was riding on his rim hmm and he did 300 kilometers on of transport there's a video of that on youtube also by the way he did 300 kilometers of transport riding on his rim and That's then insane, this year there was a, a woman from russia a mother of two who took part the very first woman to take part in this in this category and she finished the damn rally dude which is i get goosebumps just even thinking about but, it but but i think the finish rate was one of the lowest this year yeah yeah it was it was uh, juan pedro uh, who was like one of the top contenders to finish cuz i think he won last year uh, he crashed out very early on uh, uh, primarily because of the sand cuz if you're not maintaining momentum and the undulations are so tricky um you know your bike falls and it's a heavy motorcycle there's a 250 plus kilo motorcycle with with fuel and all of that stuff you you physically can't lift it especially when you are in loose sand like this right. so that's that is the end of your rally um so coming back to the rally so uh pisco we had that uh, the, my memory was was of that dune that really big ass dune and i still remember this one shot dude um they have these aerial choppers yeah so you could hear the chopper coming out to the to the tip to the yeah. crescent of the dune and then it's following this rider and the chopper was at least maybe just 80 feet above uh was just 80 feet above um the ground and just following this guy and I was like holy shit this is amazing but what was also really cool is it was in the middle of nowhere and at least 5000 people showed up and they all turned up early on um and it's really cool you get these gps coordinates even we only get gps coordinates right. and they say okay this is the point where the riders will pass you got to get there and there's no road so we also sort of had to navigate right and uh there's no google maps and stuff doesn't work so we essentially had a gps device i'd input the gps coordinates and then the french metrics for gps coordinates are very different from that right. this thing sort of figure out like a converter it's like converting miles to kilometers, kilometers sort of thing right. but for gps coordinates cuz it's a different format there's like a formula for that so i had to say like 3 hours the previous night and map out oh, these wow. four five different points saying okay this is how we get here but then you sort of look at the terrain and you realize there's just zero road so you also have to navigate through essentially no road so so you essentially completed 5000 kilometers of driving um so we did about 3000 because uh, not not in how many days 2000 uh to half so we did 2500 cuz we were only there for half the rally we right. didn't stay unfortunately for the whole rally um because i was not part of the package we were part of but uh, this was for how many days this was we were there for about 4 days uh, the 6 days so in 6 days, days you cover 2500 km which days. essentially 4 days yeah, yeah it was crazy wow, that's insane uh, man it's about 2000, 650 6 2025 yeah 400 km we did about maybe 1100 in one day 
1100 in a day in one day in Dude, one day how bad uh, uh, how much toll was, does it take on your body from, even when you're just it was driving from marcona to arequipa the the transport was 800 kilometers <laughs> wow so as as a, as an individual who's just sitting in a car and doing nothing does it yeah. still take a toll on your body it it's it does uh, also because you know you're sleeping 3 hours a night 4 hours a yeah. night because you have to wake up really early to catch to get uh, to a specific point 3 4 hours in advance before the riders part so you, you know you can get the right shot and then you're also thinking about how do i make this video work wow uh, so of course so there's just a lot of content mashup yeah. uh, so direction mashup like, okay this is what we can do this is what we can do constantly thinking about the video all the time and how to make that work uh, while you know this crazy schedule but for me personally i love it i like that adventure and you know you get when we were in marcona we uh, it felt like i was in mars was a completely different terrain altogether yeah, yeah. um there were like vultures flying up ahead and again you had like these really crazy cliffs and um uh i was just thinking like holy shit like what the hell man uh but it it's moments like that where you you know you find those little places and you're like you know this is i i chances are i'll never go back there in my entire life but uh because of rally you kind of you know you kind of get to experience that Um so as the rally progressed the the team was doing well we were essentially following the hero team um the hero motorsports team um and then we reached Arequipa Arequipa is is a town that is elevated um so it's about 7000 meters above sea level so uh, for the last 3 days before that we were in the desert 50 55 degrees wow. um, and then the climate changes where um suddenly it was like 4 3 wow. and it was freakishly cold um arequipa as well it's second largest city after lima very nice town very quaint um and uh, we we parked there for about 2 days uh, so arequipa very interesting this was sort of the midway point and from there the the riders went into what is called the marathon stage now the marathon stage is is the most difficult part you could say of the rally wherein the contestants are completely on their own they have zero support aid, from sort of. aid from from the mechanics or the team nothing and your goal is just to survive so you can't as you know wafi the team leader the team principal of of hero motorsports would say you can't win a rally at the marathon but you can certainly lose it so one small mistake something you're breaks you're out of it and it's over for you um and and the and what was amazing during the marathon stage Uh, and uh, nobody can go there so nobody from any team no journalist nobody because in case you know somebody helps out someone yeah. you can get disqualified so nobody takes a risk but it was amazing how all the competitors came together helping each other out and i remember this thing with carlos sainz where he ripped two of his tires out and then you know other contestants came helped him gave him tires and they helped flip the vehicle around and the same with bike so this 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 is amazing sense of camaraderie amongst the contestants saying that okay we're, we're still battling but we're still in this together right and they help each other out yeah. which was it was amazing to see yeah, and so, with that i think we should we should quickly chime in a word about indians being at at, at dakar yeah well that's, that's, yeah. that was my lead into that yeah. yeah so i mean we've all we've always had uh, she's fifth year in a row yeah fifth year in a row uh, yeah. it was arvind kp's third Second. third dakar and it's been happening since the past 5 years with cs santosh competing in in this he was he was racing a different motorcycle but uh, he's been doing it with hero board sports now um 450 cc motorcycle like always and this was his fifth dakar the surprising bit is he's already done it and completed it successfully four times in a row so 
it was more of no pressure let's let's just cruise through it get a finish probably a higher finish than what he's been attaining since the past 4 years but it was very important for kp to finish this arvind kp is another athlete from india um this was his third dakar and he's a tvs athlete and yeah tvs shot or tvs and uh, in the past two dakars he was unable to finish it um met with a crash and couldn't really continue so he had this tremendous amount of pressure on him to finish it this time around unfortunately uh, santosh had a crash uh, so yeah. some back story to yeah. kp's finish so uh after kp uh, finished it of course you know major props to him we were having a conversation right and uh, he came to the office actually a couple of days yeah. weeks ago and uh, with kp this was yeah his third dakar and also he was not in the best physical shape of his life because he had a massive crash last year yeah which put a rod in his foot yep. and his hand also yep. was a bit messed up from another crash so physically he was not in a great place and then he only could i think work out he was talking about like just a month before the rally so he had not been on a bike before and so everybody basically wrote him off saying bro it's not going to happen there's no way you can finish you haven't ridden a motorcycle all year how can you just jump ahead and do it you just started your fitness about a month ago right and um short, long story short he he finished uh but of course with cs santosh with cs santosh cs and kp you could say are currently the poster boys for indian rally um, right. they are doing us proud they're going around the world they've they signed up with good teams they're in the right direction and also they're sort of laying the foundation for the second generation of riders to come in yes and that's happening at a really fast pace there are a lot more younger kids um who are who are showing some amazing talent, talent who yeah. will definitely get there it's not a question of if it will happen yeah. it's just a question of when and that's the thing with racing the earlier you start the more you absolutely and, and get CS, comfortable to CS the yes and kp started when they were 19 yeah. and it my is, question to them was that's late man when when you, when you compete against chaps in europe who've been doing this when you're three yeah, or four yeah, yeah, but, yeah. but the fact that they still you know they've they they're just so focused on on the job and just getting it done just goes through and, and kp says this best it's it's really just like I, the same question i asked him i said you know how did you feel when you went to your first rally abroad and you realized you know these guys had more saddled experience than you by almost a decade and he's he's like what can you feel you just focus on the job at hand and get it done hmm. of course there will always be things that are going against you but what are you going to do about yeah. it you can either choose to say okay fuck it and yeah. try to and he was on a path to becoming a chartered accountant by the way holy um, shit you can choose to do that or you can say fuck it yeah i'm going to make the most of it yeah, and yeah. and that's what he did that's all you can do really yeah, yeah, yeah. so what which is what he did and 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 so last year when kp had a crash it was it was funny cuz cs helped him out when yeah. cs saw him oh. and and they have a so every time there's a crash that happens if the bike doesn't move for 3 minutes yeah. or something like that it sends a signal to the yeah. nearest chopper and right. then they cover over and see what's happening um the gps location um otherwise there's another option of pressing uh, something called a panic button where if it's really serious you hit a panic button then you know um, uh, a chopper with a stretcher there's immediate up. evac immediate evac that happens last year kp had a nasty fall um cs pressed the button this year we got cs unfortunately and we were talking about fesh fesh earlier he had a massive crash on the fesh fesh where he hit a stone um that was under the fesh fesh there's no way he could see it flat out he must have been doing maybe 160 180 Holy. whatever and um 
he was he had a massive concussion he was not in his senses and he lost memory thankfully not nothing was broken uh n- nothing at all very very lucky but kp saw him this time arvin kp and when pre- pushed when, the, yeah, the the, yeah, the button yeah. uh, it's just it's just karma man <laughs> yeah <laughs> i mean now that even yeah. but yeah it was amazing uh but they were there for each other uh but um coming back to the marathon stage so you know they were out there coming back and and this was when i remember when we were just we were told okay just get ready for the riders to come in uh and make your make sure your shot is ready and and they they turned up so you had oriol menya you had wakim yes. and of course cs didn't make it but man i saw oriol and he was bleeding through his eye like just above his eye his eyebrow uh-huh. and um he just got off his bike and he just he, he just literally like almost just like he just like kind of shook and he's like sort of where are my types wow turns out he also had a crash yeah. and his helmet split okay and, and, and memory sort of like loss. a con- concussion but it was but he just got back on the bike and started riding again yeah it's just and instinct it, it you know it's just instinct and you know a couple of other guys saw them yeah. uh, saw him through the stage and they said they couldn't make out the difference because yeah. he he was just riding like a maniac yeah. it was pure <laughs> oh, muscle memory and he yeah. and he came back to the the bivac and he was just like Oh, okay where am i types wow and it's like the early man you know where are where our instinct was to hunt yeah. this your it's it's more the training such where if if in case something goes wrong you get back on the bike and just move towards a certain goal or a certain point Absolutely. and that, i think that's what that, happened that's basically it it was just they were just so focused same with wakim as well and it it was just it was it was crazy um but that's when it really like i, I remember like our dops there was prabhu and duga who was with us and they were like dude they're in such bad shape i don't even want to shoot like i feel bad sticking yeah, a camera yeah, on their yeah. face um but from there uh, essentially then they had a rest day and stuff and then the rally turned around and and went back and things were pretty much smooth sailing La, uh, for, with hero motorsports wakim he he finished uh, pretty respectably i think in the top 20 same with um, oriol i think did a top 10 if i'm not wrong he did a top 10 last year top but 10 then last because year. of this but that was his debut year that was a debut year that's he, insane he's bro also another mental mental absolutely mental fucker mad man guy and then uh, for the cars it was nasser alatia who won yeah. and nasser is he was a very interesting character yeah. and this is what i love about the dakar yeah. right cuz nasser is is saudi royalty yeah uh, he's a prince he's, or he's king a prince. Yeah. he's a prince he's a prince and he's also um, uh, a sharp shooter won gold medals at the commonwealth games and stuff like that and uh, you have someone like nasser and then you have you have, there's i remember this other chap called nicola duto who was is a paraplegic who was taking part in in the motorcycle category when i first heard motorcycle i thought i thought some i thought it was miscommunicated i thought they meant like maybe uh, the atv yeah. or or the this thing the quad yeah but the quads but no i saw him and he was a paraplegic <laughs> he can't his he's paralyzed from mo- waist down and he rode a motorcycle dude and how is that even possible dude i have no idea and i was like bro you got some balls man <laughs> i mean and uh, met him what a guy what a guy what a just had such a great energy about him yeah. and um so the motorcycle co- category this year was won by toby price correct yeah correct toby toby won and he was already like pegged to to sort of this thing he's another beast altogether uh, then you also had uh, laia science yes. who was also on the top 10 and and she is insane dude she it's like, a she by the way ladies and gentlemen yes you heard me it's you, a she <laughs> yeah, a, i mean i mean no yeah, for, she's 37 when you when yeah. you hear of uh, when you hear of dakar i mean it's unfortunate that people think it's it's a 
man's sport it's not necessary it's not necessary yeah. and uh, that's being proved yeah completely wrong by this uh, fine lady collier no, women are competing yeah in uh, fact they had a small bet kind of going around uh, toby price and laya sans uh, if uh, toby price finished uh, in the top 5 he would uh, get to kiss laya sans and if he did not finish he would have to shave his mullet uh, what happened was he won the rally uh he got to kiss her and he actually ended up shaving his hair as well wow uh, yeah. okay so, yeah. i'm going to check out that kiss yeah. i i know that she's married yeah it was it was a peck on the peck on the hand oh yeah. okay okay cool yeah. so yeah. it's pg 13 yeah pg 13 uh, but anyways it was, it was yeah and and she's a beast dude she's, she's a beast a, she's beast she's just a beast uh but ali is is again it's it's more mental than physical physical also yes but your your mental state of mind is yeah. what is going to ensure that you finish or you don't um i mean so it's it's also a lot of uh, there's a lot of there's also a lot of emotional play because i can tell you this from my experience when we shoot for 8 9 days when we're out when i am on a motorcycle um and sometimes you miss home man sometimes you miss family and sometimes it's like dude i just want this shoot to end i i and it's raining and it's uh, my clothes are wet and stuff like that and it's just like damn dude i just want to go home and you break down you just want to yeah. you just see the comfort of your bed and for these athletes to do it for over 14 days of over 5000 kilometers yeah, and you yeah. do that every single day yeah. and you come back with a smile is is and, absolutely and, incredible yeah and the goal is uh, i mean it's it's mad and, and then you see there are people like for example the coronel brothers tim and tom coronel who've been doing this for almost two decades yeah every year they put themselves through this that's insane bro <laughs> it's, it's it's crazy it's it's, it's just I don't know it's just life for the real passionate passion yeah, man you and have to you have to get up every morning thinking you're going to be at Dakar winning it sleep every night thinking about it you dream about it and you just repeat the entire cycle over and over again that's exactly how they train that is exactly how they train dude. so um yeah from there the rally turned around came back uh, was not very eventful pretty chill pretty chill and uh came back to lima and then they had a nice celebration as well and that's how it Super. ended yeah. um uh, but, you 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 ended up me, missing the the finale yeah we went there for the whole dakar but for me the biggest takeaway for me of the dakar was when i thought of dakar initially or or you know rally motorsport i would always think you know here you have the best in the world competing against each other um and and i think you know this is i would always think my thought was that this is the ultimate competition for motorsport in the world but then i realized that it's not just a competition it's more a, more of a celebration of motorsport where you know you have these guys getting together just celebrating this rally and there wasn't as they didn't have that competitive atmosphere right. as such of course whatever it was they would just take it out on the stages and uh, yeah so the celebration aspect of it is what really stood out to me not just from the contestants but from the teams from the from the from the people who are watching and the fans and everyone so it was it is certainly like anybody who is enthusiastic about motorsport i definitely want to go back do the dakar again but just not you, to, yeah, yeah yeah just just to go follow the dakar and uh, that is one of the things i definitely want to do cuz it's such an amazing experience yeah. man and the people we met along the way and, and and here's the funny bit right the most number of motorcycles i saw on the road following the dakar were either pulsars or apaches <laughs> indians uh, bajaj, are everywhere bajaj bro <laughs> and tvs bajaj and tvs yeah they're pretty big in south really, yeah really yeah. really well pretty so big. many 
pulsars and and tvs so yeah. every time we'd go there and be like hey you know what's up and and in fact there was this chap called uh, debu from top gear yep uh, who also rode the uh, rtr 200 or what the one six yeah. i'm not sure he rode the uh, rtr 200 following the dakar which yeah. was also amazing so yeah. that is on my bucket list next yeah. time for yeah. dakar if i ever get to go back sure uh, right. no you video can make it happen but yeah you can yeah, make it happen next year like just to follow that adventure. Yeah. So that was, I guess, my time at the Dakar. As unfortunate as it might sound, not a lot of people get to experience the Dakar. But we have a video that's going to come up on Power Drift. I think it's going to be a two-part special. Two-part series. Uh, two-part series. And uh, that's going to be live on Power Drift very, very soon. Um, but there are a lot of rallies that happen in India. Absolutely. Um, and I think the season starts in about April, if I'm not wrong. Mm-hmm. And they happen in places like Coimbatore, um, it happens in Mangalore. You've got one in Baroda. I think it starts off with Baroda. And you have these places. Please keep an eye out for these rallies on the FMSCI website. They have a yeah. proper schedule of when it's happening and where it's happening. You can actually go around. It's a little on the outskirts because rallies are meant to happen on the outskirts, away from the city. There's no noise disturbance uh, to the civilians and stuff like that. So if you get a chance, please do please do watch one of these rallies if it's happening near your city. I think you're going to have a lot of fun. I think it, it, it's just something that you're going to en- that you're going to enjoy if you enjoyed listening to what happens at the Dakar. Don't uh, expect a Dakar to happen in India, but it's just know. a small yeah. glimpse. It's just yeah. a small glimpse of what goes on in a rally. You have a proper scrutiny stage. You have the transport exactly. stage. You have the park ferme. You have these riders also, being timed and stuff like that. The categories are so wide that you could pretty much run anything with an engine. Yeah, anything with an so engine, right. If you have a scooty, you can you can actually take part in the rally to right. whatever you have, a Himalayan or a, uh, an Impulse or whatever. Yeah. And in so, fact, if you, you can participate in one as well. Yeah. I might do one rally. I might do the Pune rally this year, let's see how, how nice. things flow. What will you ride? Uh, probably the Himalayan. Nice. Because that's the category where... Uh, where I think, I mean, I'm pretty comfortable on the Himalayan. I've uh, used that machine for a while now. So nice. this year, maybe the Pune rally on Himalayan, I think I, I would love to do it. Let's see how that flows. Yeah, all yeah. the best right there. Yeah. And maybe Dakar as well. Yeah, super. Uh, so there you have it, folks. That was our story of the Dakar rally. Uh, of course, uh, I guess we were a little bit all over the place, but hopefully yeah. that gave you an idea and kept you engaged enough of of what this amazing event is all about right uh, just on an ending note uh, this episode will be available on will be available will be available on epilog.media that's the website where you can hear it first it's also available on apple podcast google podcast castbox savan and uh, the recently added spotify india you can subscribe to these channels uh, you can subscribe to our channel which is talk the talk t o r q u e talk the talk t-a-l-k you can subscribe uh, to talk the talk and comment and let us know uh, and of course if you want to know yeah, yeah and, and if you if you want to know or if you want to let us know on what you want to hear next you can write down a fan email of sorts at uh, bonjour at epilogue.media all right that would be it from uh, glenn and i we'll see you in a bit bye-bye